drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Welcome to the drawing room, a space for intimate and surprising conversations. I'm Andy Park. As a worker, a theatre producer, an activist and a businessman, William Onus was a tireless campaigner for the rights of his people in Australia and a leader for the referendum that ultimately saw Australia's Indigenous people finally counted as people in their own country. He was also perhaps the first Aboriginal filmmaker. Yeah, a new documentary, Ablaze, begins with the discovery of Bill's film in the National Film and Sound Archive and goes on to tell his story and the story of his fight for equal rights. Alec Morgan is the co-writer and director of the documentary alongside Terakee Onus and Alec is my guest in the drawing room. Welcome to you. Come on in. Take a seat, Alec. Thanks. Let's start sort of uh, how your documentary starts. There's this mysterious piece of film found Describe it for me. Tell me what's happening. Tell me about how it feels and the mystery, I suppose, that it's contained. Yeah, it was certainly a mystery for quite a while. Um, it was found in the vault of the National Film and Sound Archive. It had been there some time. No one quite knew how long it had been there. Uh, it came to my attention by Simon Drake, who works at the National Film and Sound Archive, and I have been involved for a number of years in historical films, so I often use material out of the archive uh, for documentary, and he asked if I could have a look at it. It had no sound and it had no references to where it came from or who deposited it, so I had a look at it and I was quite surprised to see it was in pretty good condition. It had who I knew as Bill Onus. I'd known about Bill Onus as a leader for a number of years. His brother, Eric, and other people who were activists in Melbourne that I recognised, but I didn't quite know where it was filmed, uh, what were some of the scenes which were quite surprising. It, was, it I mean, almost had a bit of a newsreel film, didn't it? You had Indigenous Australians uh, performing ceremonies. You had uh, Indigenous Australians return soldiers on the streets of Fitzroy, all in black and white, but all very yep. staged, you would say. Uh, yeah, recreated. Recreated. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is not uncommon for those, to, you know, I mean, given the big cameras they had in those days and sound recording, um, you know, most people, most things weren't spontaneous. But, um, yeah, there was a theatre. The, the, the thing that intrigued me most uh, was a theatre piece that looked like uh, uh, it had uh, Bill Onus seemed to be part of it and Eric Onus was acting in it. Um, and I was very intrigued because this looked like the 1940s to me when I first saw it, and I'd never heard of urban Aboriginal theatre performance. So that, uh, so that to see that footage, it was about three minutes long of this play. Um, I'd never actually seen anything like it in film before, so that was really intriguing. Um, so for people that don't know, who was Bill Onus? Bill Onus was um, part of the Yorta Yorta group that had walked off uh, Kamaragunja mission in about 1939. He was um, with, a, with another group um, 
who, who moved away because of bad conditions on what was the Kummeragunja mission. And they moved, many of them moved to Fitzroy in Melbourne and, and other areas, but he became, amongst others, a major leader in the fight for citizens' rights because Aboriginal people in those days didn't have citizens' rights. They weren't citizens. And so in Australia, the civil rights movement was called citizens' rights movement. But Bill I'd known for a number of years because many years ago I did a film involving some of his relatives about the stolen generations, you know, a number of years ago. And I'd heard about Bill then, and I was always intrigued about Bill Onus because he seemed to be left out of history, although he was an incredible activist who did amazing things. He was also, um, you know, a theatre entrepreneur, uh, impresario, sorry, and uh, was the first television host and he was, um, you know, leading the campaign for citizens' rights in Victoria. Um, so it was very intriguing to see him on film. The first thing, one of the early things I did was contact Tara Key, who is Bill Innes's grandson, um, and ask him if he knew of this film, and he said no. But he said over the phone that he had heard that Bill Innes had made film and that a number of them were burnt in a caravan fire shortly after he passed away in 1968. Um, but there were always rumours about, you know, his films might be still out there. Some of some of his footage might be out there. So why were they but, burnt in a caravan? Was that part of Sorry Business or did you get to the bottom of that? No, that was just an accident, unfortunately. It was a, How it was sad. a fire. Yeah, so I took the footage down to Terrakee in Melbourne. I'm in Sydney, and he had a look at it, was amazed. He'd never seen it, um, didn't quite know much about it. Um, but both of us decided it was a very intriguing piece of footage and, you know, we should make a, a film about trying to track this piece of footage down and its sources. Uh, and it turns out, you know, for a nine and a half piece of silent footage, uh, as we, you know, researched over a long period of time, had amazing kind of um, historical significance in some of those scenes. Um, you know, the, the play that we'd seen, we actually discovered later that it was done in the new theatre in Melbourne in August 1946, and it was the play that was supporting the first Indigenous uh, industrial strike in the Pilbara region of Western Australia that had begun in May. So here was a play that Bill Onus had been involved in putting on at the um, New Theatre in Melbourne in support of them. Um, so that was just one example of something that we only had intrigue with what was its origins when we began, but after a while found out about this, as other things in the film had historical significance. There was also footage there of some young men painted up, looked like, you know, out in the bush doing ceremony, and um, which was rare from Victoria where there was a lot of detribalisation early on with colonisation. And we discovered that was something Bill Onus had put on in that month as well to announce uh, the re reviving his culture. 
Um, so again, it had something significant that we only discovered later on. There's a story in your film that feels a lot like, uh, well, it tells a lot about Bill. How did Bill and Doug Nichols get the money to hire the ritziest theatre in Melbourne at the time? <laughs> yeah, there was a hundred years centenary of the founding of Victoria and Melbourne was going to hold major celebrations for that. And the Melbourne Council announced publicly that during the parades, which were very popular street events in those days, which everybody attended, uh, they weren't going to have any Indigenous representation. Um, And that was publicly announced. And Bill and Doug Nichols went to the press. They were very good at getting press on their side and said that if the council, the Melbourne Council, doesn't include Indigenous representation in the celebrations, they were going to hire three flatbed trucks and have Indigenous uh, people in chains with a white man cracking a whip, and that would be representing the coming of civilization. (laughs) And this this hit the press. Um, And so the council in charge of the uh, centenary or bicentenary um, I think it was a centenary in those days, you know, really freaked out and gave them some money and said, you know, go away and do something. And they went and hired the Princess Theatre in, in Melbourne, which is a really, you know, still going today. And it was a, it's a major theatre in Melbourne. So they put on what was called the first Moomba. It was the first Moomba celebration in, in Melbourne, which was basically an all-Indigenous cast a kind of variety show, you know, in support and 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 they were calling for support for citizens' rights through theatre. On ABC RN, I'm Andy Park. Alec Morgan is my guest in the drawing room. We're talking about his documentary, Ablaze. And we were speaking earlier about the footage in which we see Aboriginal returned servicemen uh, visiting what looks like family in the streets and alleyways of Fitzroy. What was the meaning? What was the intention behind Bill's capturing of these scenes? He, uh, Bill made a statement after the end of the Second World War, he, he discovered that returned servicemen, he was living in Fitzroy at the time, and the, many of them returned to Fitzroy, something I only discovered, that there were a number of uh, Indigenous servicemen who actually spent three and a half years in, in the terrible Japanese war camps during the Second World War and, uh, you know, and other, other bad situations, and many of them returned to a situation where they were still not citizens, they weren't compensated, they weren't given return soldier settlements. And Bill picked up on this and part of his campaign was to address the the plight of the return servicemen. And so it appears that he included in the first shots of the piece of footage we saw a return serviceman uh, coming down the street of what we discovered was Fitzroy which in those days was a slum suburb of Melbourne and it was where a lot of the refugees from the Kamaragunjas walk-off in 1939 went to and there were Aboriginal people living in Fitzroy at that time. So, you know, it seems that Bill was pointing out in this lost film, you know, the plight of the returned servicemen, Indigenous returned servicemen. 
Bill obviously was a pretty charismatic character and he seemed to have a really good sense of where you can push the boundaries and where you can't, especially in that time and place in Australia. Um, this was a bit of a reoccurring part of Bill's life, wasn't it, that the government you know, refused to allow him to create the work he wanted to or show the work that he created. Uh, Bill was even invited to America by Walt Disney. Did he end up going? No. Bill was the just to give a bit of backstory to that. Um, Bill, you know, um, was one of the we think the first Indigenous leader who was served, you know, came under surveillance by what was then called the Commonwealth Investigation Service, which later in 1949, a few years later, became uh, ASIO. He was one of the first that had a file. We we discovered his file, and in it, it had that he was speaking out publicly as as far back as May 1946. He come came under surveillance, and for the rest of his life, which was another 22 years, he was constantly under surveillance. So um, he was spoke he spoke out against uh, way back then against the proposed. Maralinga site and the Woomera site for weapons testing in Central Desert. He was prominent in that. And um, when uh, Walt Disney invited him to go to the USA to perform around the USA, because Bill was a master uh, boomerang thrower and had had made, you know, um, quite public knowledge of that, he, the ASIO, secretly took his file across the American uh, embassy and showed them the earlier reports on Bill speaking out against nuclear testing. And so the uh, American embassy banned him, but it was ASIO who initiated it to get ba- Bill banned from speaking. Um, he, w- he was, v- yes, he was very char- charismatic and would get in the press a lot. He'd speak, a very good speaker, and um, so it was an attempt to silence him from going overseas and spreading the word about, you know, lack of citizens' rights for Indigenous Australians at that time. Look, who knows what might have come of a meeting between Bill and Walt Disney, but if it was anything like uh, Bill's previous brush with Hollywood, it might have been for the best. Tell me about the film Uncivilised. This is a piece of film that is probably the most racist and most colonial uh, exploitation of Australian Aboriginal people by an American production, in my view. How did you find it? Uh, Uncivilised is actually an Australian production. Um, Charles Chevelle directed that up and, and shot in Queensland. My background as a film historian and focusing mainly on Australian films. So I, I, I've known of Uncivilised. I didn't know Bill's story relating to Uncivilised. Um, so, yeah, was so what was Bill's role in this Australian film Uncivilised? Well, he he was trying to get, uh, he announced that he was trying to get experience working on feature films and um, friends had put him in touch with Chevelle uh, as an advisor and he actually, um, you know, would do um, production work like a runner as well as advising on some of those films he worked on. Yeah, so it was basically so he could learn 
about filmmaking. But for those that haven't seen it, you mean you have a white uh, Australian actor uh, imitating what can only be described as native tongue. Uh, it's an incredible piece of archive when you think about it. I mean, it's a kind of, um, it's about a white king of an indigenous tribe set in North Queensland. And um, yes, he speaks a language which is obviously made up and rules over this tribe, um, very much part of the 1930s uh, filmmaking of, you know, of a white man dominating um, an Indigenous tribe. And, and Bill, uh, you know, I think had some reactions to that. The next film that uh, Bill was part of uh, and he had a lot more influence in was The Overlanders. Talk to me about how that was well, quite revolutionary in terms of the narrative at the time. Yeah, it was very revolutionary in, in terms of how it portrayed Indigenous Australians. And that was Harry Watt, who, who was a British director. And Watt, uh, in that period towards the end of the war, um, Bill had been in touch with a number of different people who worked in film. And Harry Watt was advised to go and see Bill and, and contacted Bill and asked him to work on the film and, and offer advice, and as well as acting as a liaison between the Indigenous community uh, and the actors that they were working with in the Northern Territory. That was shot in the Northern Territory. And it was based on a true story of how um, drovers took cattle a long way across the desert, um, central desert, to avoid Japanese, the suspected Japanese invasion that might happen. And that came out at the end of the Second World War, that film. And it has been recognised for its portrayal of Indigenous Australians, um, and Bill was in part of, you know, that, that gave it much more human... Um, stories to the actors, notably different to other Australian productions of the time. Yeah. And, of course, your film and the documentary of Bill Onus's life and work existing on tape is largely driven by a Cherokee Onus. What was it like working with someone who was, at the same time as you were making the film, discovering their own past and their own family story? Yeah. Uh, oh, that was fantastic. I mean, it was a great journey. We became very close friends. We had kind of identifiable uh, similarities in, um, you know, in, in wanting to know more about Bill. Uh, as I say, Bill, I think both of us felt that Bill had been left out of history, and he's a remarkable person. Um, we got to learn a lot through making the film, and Terakee did. I mean, sometimes during the interviews, Terakee would be listening to totally new stories that he not, knew nothing about. Um, as we all did, and some people would come out with stories that we'd not heard before. So it was, uh, for Terakee, I think, quite a, a strong emotional journey for him. And particularly, uh, I remember taking, he took the, takes the film back towards the end of the film, back to the Pilbara strikers, descendants of the Pilbara strikers that, that Bill had put on the play in Melbourne to support. And that was quite emotional to go to communities that still existed today who were descendants of those strikers in 1946. Uh, so for Terakee, it was particularly emotional. 
Well, Alec, it's a fascinating insight into what could very well be Australia's first Aboriginal filmmaker, and it's a wonderful insight into that time and place. Thanks so much for joining me tonight in the drawing room. Thanks, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Alec Morgan has been my guest in the drawing room. A Blaze is in cinemas from this Thursday. And if you want to hear more about the movie, The Screen Show will be speaking with Tiriki Onus, Alec's collaborator on the film. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.